Have you ever noticed yourself reacting in a certain way to your child's behavior, felt ashamed, and then thought to yourself, where on earth did that come from? Many of us have triggers from our past that influence how we behave as parents, and I've always felt that having an awareness of their origins is an important starting point in any healing. After all, you want to be present for your kids as the best you, right? Today's guest, a mother of three, Laura Linkletter, is a cycle breaker parent mentor who has been there, having been brought up in a household with alcoholism. You'll hear Laura talk about many topics, including seeing your child as your awakener, the importance of having a connection with your child, her collaborative problem-solve method. Laura shares loads of great tips and insights in this episode to help parents break their cycles so that they can support their children to flourish. I'm infant massage instructor Helen Thompson. Hello and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. Being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged four weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. So let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Laura and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm delighted to have you here. When we first chatted you told me all about your childhood and how you changed all that into a positive to help mums. So can you tell me what your business is all about and, and what you're passionate about? Yes, thank you so much, Helen, for having me. And our chat the other day was so lovely. So I'm very excited about this podcast. So my name is Laura Linklater and I am, I call it a cycle breaker parent mentor, which sounds like a mouthful. So basically I support parents who are wanting to break cycles. So they had their own tough upbringing. And I use the term tough upbringing because it covers so much ground. Mm -hmm. Some people have had real capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma and some people have grown up with abuse or neglect or very complicated household family breakdown and we talk about that in in therapy and academic circles as adverse childhood experiences so they've had some really really tough things and other people that I work with other parents they I say just, there's no just about it, but they want to break the cycle of the older style of parenting of children must be seen and not Mm. heard and you must do as you're told. And we talk about it now a lot and I'm seeing it more and more and it's wonderful. Children having big feelings because that's really what it is. They're becoming overwhelmed by lots of stimulation or what's going on inside of them. And it comes out and it might come out through shouting or crying and certainly when I grew up, and I was born in 1984, so the, the 80s and 90s parenting was very much like, oh, 
I think what's that term? The screaming abdabs. <laughs> so I, I posted about that on Facebook the other day in a post, and a whole host of people commented underneath of, "Oh yes, wow. I remember that. I remember that was a tantrum. It was dismissed, and you you know picked up and carried away and told never to do it again." And and a lot of people maybe had yes a little bit tough upbringings but also they just want to break the cycle and parent in that gentle conscious way and do it a bit differently oh that's that's who i support yeah because i i was actually born in the 60s and my grandfather was very much of the era children are seen and not heard after a certain period of time the children went to bed And that was it. They weren't meant to come down and they weren't meant to be heard of again. Whereas my parents were slightly different to that. That was of its time. (laughs) Often when I work with people now and and we will talk about, I always say it's healing plus skills Mm. is the parent that you want to be. That's how we get, because a lot of people come to me and they say, I want the skills. I want to know how to get them to put their shoes on without fighting. I want to know how to get out of the door to get to school or wherever on time. I want to know how to get them to brush their teeth when they don't want to. Mm. And I feel a little bit uncomfortable. There are loads of skills and sort of tricks that we can do, and they are useful to a point. But if we are just learning things to make our children comply with our wishes... That to me feels more like management. Yeah, but we can use those exact same techniques because I do teach them. We can use those exact same techniques in conjunction with healing. So it's our own healing from our stories Mm, of mm. the things that we have carried with us. If children have been taught to say, you know, I'm working with a parent whose parents were abusive or were neglectful or never listened to their opinion ever and they felt very managed then that parent who then goes in and does some healing and we talk about the stories that comes out of I'm not loved or nobody's coming or Mm -hmm. nobody cares what I have to say. It's amazing the amount of people I work with who then after we've done all of the parenting stuff, they say, do you know, actually the job that I do now, I'm kind of realizing that I'm doing it because I was pleasing my dad or pleasing my mom. or And then they go on to actually in their, in their own life. So outside of the parenting sphere, because, of course, we're not only parents. <laughs> we are whole rounded mm, human mm, beings. Mm, exactly. And, and they will start saying, actually, I really want to do this. Or actually, I really want to do this. Or, you know, I'm going to go back and take up pottery because I always wanted to do that. And the reason is that the way that we were treated in our childhoods hugely affects who we are mm-hmm. at the point yes. where we become yes. parents. So yes. the healing and healing doesn't necessarily mean you know, I have lots of wounds, I had an awful upbringing, yeah. but it, it means kind of coming to peace with who we are and the skills. Mm-hmm. And when we put those two together, we have powerful family relationships. So how do you empower parents to do what you've just said? What would be an example of how you would support parents in what you've just talked about? That's such a great word, isn't it? Empower. <laughs> That's what yeah, it, it is. is. That is exactly what it is. Because interestingly, a lot of a lot of people, and I'm a parent of three, I should say, my children are six, four, and three right now. I'm at the cold face as well. And wow, what an awakening it is to have children. You really do learn a lot about yourself. Oh, yeah. There's all of the, these memes and things that go around the internet that say, you should sort yourself out and heal yourself before you have children so you don't pass it on. And I kind of thought I had. <laughs> and then I had children. And then you realise it's it's not that easy. And they are, Dr. Shafali Sabri, 
she's incredible, the key proponent of conscious parenting. She talks about children as our awakeners, as our mirrors. And it's a good way of seeing that as opposed to, so I guess one of the things that I do is I help people see it in that paradigm shift. It's not so adversarial, like kids are set up to manipulate me. You probably will have heard that with working with first time mums. Like they're manipulating you when they cry. They've got you wrapped around their little finger, that kind of thing. We take in these stories from society. If your relationship with your child is based on children push buttons, children are manipulative, you're going to respond in that adversarial way where you're yes, going to try and control absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's, yes. But when yes. we see it as my child is my awakener, my child shows me the areas that I have to be healed, my child shows me where I get to love myself a bit more, that's a completely different relationship. And we can approach their behavior their outward signs of their inner life, which might be crying, it might be sitting on the floor in the supermarket and screaming, which honestly we have all had. Absolutely, <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, and, and we can see that we respond in a completely different way when we're in that paradigm of my child has big feelings and they are my awakener. So how can I support my child in this place as opposed to, oh, how can I control my child and make them stop doing this? Mm-hmm. Of course, that's, that's a, yes. I think the controlling is a very powerful one because I think from my childcare background, when I first started in childcare when in the 1980s, it was very like that. If we had a behavioural problem child, it, it wasn't so much about the controlling, it was how we can help that child. But if they got out of hand, they went to a special school and that was it. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at with what you've just said is I think nowadays people respect the child's feelings they respect more of where they're at and they think as you've just said how can we support this child and how can we support ourselves because we obviously can't get on burnout so there's going to be a balance between the child and there's going to be a balance between the parent because you don't want to pull too much at the child and be too aggro with the child because they've got a behavior problem or dyslexia or whatever it is it's just going to make it worse my daughter is just going through her dyslexia assessment and i have learned as a teacher and a mom and as somebody who has worked with families for 15 odd years now i've had to learn the the hard way how far to encourage and then when it tips into pushing and because each of my three children has a very different threshold one of my children he loves it when I offer more and more and more and more and he loves it and we we home educate so and travel the world so I'm actually beaming to you from Vietnam right now and and he loves it and the other one the second she smells me pushing her she backs off mm. and and each but child that's is good and I think it's good that each child is different and I think that's something that mums have to realize my father was a teacher and I think I I learned a lot from him I was very close to him and I think I was a mirror to him and my mother didn't know how to handle me he understood exactly where I was coming from and he understood my learning problems learning difficulties when it came to study and he supported me so much he gave me so many tips like what you're saying to help with those things it's, it's interesting, you see, obviously people can't see me, but I have this huge smile on my face because you have spoken about what it's like to be understood, mm. to be seen and to be heard and to know my parent gets me. 
And that is such a precious feeling. And, and so yes. many of us, even as adults, we go through life looking for that. And this is why just before we, we came online, I started recording. So I'm dyslexic. So I dictate my book. So I'm writing a book right now, an ebook, And it's all about being connected with your children. Because so many people say, oh, can you help me with this skill? Can you help me get mm -hmm. them ready on time? I want to stop shouting. What do we do? And, and my answer is always the same. Go back to connection. Always go back yes, to connection. Yes. Because if you're not connected with a child, a very, very simple ask of them is probably going to be thrown back in your face. Mm -hmm. If you are very connected and then you say, oh, I've just realized the time. Can you get your shoes on, please? They are so much more likely to do yes. it. Yes. because it, it's almost smoke it's and mirrors we, mm. yeah I am a former teacher I was a primary school teacher in in the UK and I did lectures on behavior management and it's called behavior management and that vocabulary is so telling because it's like how mm. do I effectively manipulate and I was taught yeah. some very very I say that they are devastatingly effective techniques for making kids do what I wanted them to do yeah but there are certain tasks that kids need to do like you're in a rush and you've got to get them to clean their teeth and put the shoes on and get their socks on and do all that kind of thing. Yes, I agree with you. But it's how you do that. It's how. It's how. Yes. And I think all of us, really, because it's only this massive societal cycle is only just being broken now. We were raised in that. Skinner was the psychologist who taught and he believed and it was adopted by by schools and educators all over the world. He believes that if you used praise and punishment, just like he did in his studies with animals, you could get anybody to do anything you want. Mm -hmm. He likened the human being and especially the child to being an automaton. And you can use praise and rewards and punishment and they are devastatingly effective. But what you won't have is a child who feels seen and heard and understood and then thus connected to you yeah sorry to interrupt there but i think it depends no. on the punishment too so the praise and rewards are fine but if you're giving them a reward you might use a bit of bribery here i'm just giving the example you might say something like we've got to go because we're I'm meeting somebody or you've got a, a dentist appointment so let's get your shoes on if you're quick and if we're ready in five minutes you might get an ice cream or something after you've been to the dentist but you've got to follow that through. If you say you're going to give them a reward, you need to give them that reward as oh, well. Oh, yes, yes. But the not, punishment side... If we're not if, honest, then they know. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the key to that. But the punishment side, if they consistently don't do what you say you're going to do, you say, well, the punishment to me, please tell me if, if you think of a different one, but the punishment to me would be that they wouldn't get the reward they yeah, wouldn't well, get the reward for, or they wouldn't get the punishment i actually advocate and i raise my children as well we don't use and have never used any punishments now that doesn't mean that my kids get to do whatever they like because no, they, no. they don't say so your example i would call that a pinch point you know say there was something that they consistently don't do now we have an option there because this is another common thing and it's it's usually around brushing teeth and bedtime almost mm -hmm. always brushing teeth and bedtime pop up regularly because everybody struggles with those especially if you have multiple children sometimes makes your head so we have a choice when they are refusing to do something because that's normally what it is whether it's digging the heels in and saying no I'm not doing it or whether it's going a bit silly around it and and dodging it in that way we have the choice where we become the parent who says, do as I say, 
at cost of our relationship with our child to a point. You know, we can shout and they will probably do it. We can scare them and they will probably do it. Yeah, we can but take that's not, things that they that's have not away giving them praise. And they will probably do it. I actually teach something. I'll probably talk about this in a bit. It's called the collaborative problem solve. And I've done this with children as young as three. It's a way of sitting and saying, okay, so we have a thing, a pinch point, uh, a repeated conflict area. We have a pinch point here. And then you go through its five steps of how to you know, work out what the issue is with the child. So you speak and they speak, and then you come up with the many, many, many different ways of how to solve it with the child. And so the first stage is you just write out everything they say everything without editing so I remember doing this with my child and one of them was she had a baby brother at that point put brother in the bin okay okay fine I just wrote it down no editing uh, and then another one was I think one of their solutions was you know go in a spaceship okay we'll write it down and then after the the next stage that's the fourth stage is to sit and then we weed through we change pens and we say can we really do that and then I had my opportunity to say I I actually really love your brother and I don't think he would like being put in the bin. She, oh no, actually we shouldn't do that. And she agreed with me. Mm-hmm. And then we came down with, and clearly I steered it. And we came down with something. It might well have been one of my suggestions, a way that I had come up with, but it was part of the whole conversation that we could solve our problem. And then the fifth is that we made a commitment to do it and the problem disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And she was three years old at that time. Mm. but if you have yes it took me an hour it took me an hour yeah I was going to say you've got give yourself time extra time and I think that's a key to mums that's a good point because if you're going to do it that way which is the best way to do it say if you've got an appointment at three o'clock you start preparing your child to leave at 1 30 yes yes it's true for you me don't to get do out that. of the door at half past eight, I start at half past seven. Yeah, I have everything because lined up because I have to... three children as well. It's all lined up the night yeah. before. You've got to sort of plan it ahead. And I know that's frustrating and I know it's hard work, but tired. Oh, it does work in the long run. If you start when they're three years old, it works in the long run because then you can say, right, well, you have two choices. Either you get your shoes on now if they've learned when they're three and when they get to five they'll know what you're talking about and they'll know that you respect yes. them and they'll know that you care for them well, it's almost like you build up the currency isn't it I should say as well before I move on that collaborative problem solve I did that about two days after the last explosion because in the time that is not the time to do it just so that people don't then try and kind of replicate that I had my friend take our baby out for a walk then that's when I had two so that it was just me and her in this bubble and it was very, very lovely. But if you treat them with the gentle parenting and the, the conscious parenting as being aware of, I'm having a bad day and I snapped, that's okay. I now get to look after myself. I'm going to go to bed early or I'm yes, going to go for a walk yes. later when I can. And if you we, share that, that with the child. Yes, yes, exactly. I use EFT tapping, which is emotional freedom technique, which you might have seen. It's where people tap on their faces. Or yes, I have uh, seen my, that. My kids see me do that all the time. I'll come home and I'll say, okay, mommy is feeling quite stressed out because that was really a bit upsetting and it didn't go according to plan. Mommy needs five minutes and then we can talk about it. And then they will see me go into the kitchen, put the kettle on and do a quick tap whilst it, whilst it boils. And so I'm not hiding the fact that I've had a tough time. I'm not hiding yes, the yes. fact that and I'm, I think that that's I'm so angry important. or anxious. And the other day, my 
my four-year-old said, mommy, we have it on an app. Mommy, can I do the sibling annoying one? Because there's one of the meditations for frustration with siblings. And he actually asked if he could do it. And I could see him, he was tapping on his eyebrows and he was like, bear is really annoying me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, but they've learned that from seeing it but they must see it so us being transparent with our tough days doesn't mean having a breakdown in front of them we're allowed to but if you're going to have a a real human meltdown moment it's usually best to you know give the children to partner or or a friend but but showing that you're human yes that's one of the greatest gifts we can give yeah that's right it gives them the respect to know that they can show their emotions and express themselves because yeah so and I think it teaches them to say, come up to you and say, look, I'm, I'm having a bit of a tough day now, or I'm angry. And it's the same with a two-year-old when they're having a temper tantrum. Don't try and intervene at the time. Just sit with them gently and let them rant and just say, yeah. look, I'm going into the next room right now and I'll come back in, in five or ten minutes. Just um, yeah. allow them the space to calm down. Yeah, because we, you know, we call that holding space. And it's one of the hardest things to do because when your baby is upset, and I didn't truly understand this so much because I found it very easy. Well, not, maybe not easy peasy, but it came more easily to me when I was a teacher because they weren't my children. Yes. Now, when my children have their big meltdowns, I'm the mama bear. I'm like, I have to fix it. I have to fix it. Yes. Actually, you... I can't fix it. And it's not yes. our jobs. It's our jobs to support them through their big feelings. Yes, that's the key. We can't change it. We can be there and arm them with the emotional skills and knowing that we love them, that they need to get through life. And it's tough. And that's why I always talk about healing, about how we get to look after ourselves. And when we look after ourselves, we can be there for these sometimes huge and can be distressing to have a three-year-old scream and shout at you. (laughs) Well, oh yeah of course it. it can it's a very good point you said if it's your own child it's a very different experience you can't hand them back you've got to sit down and right. work it out together whereas if you're a teacher or a child care worker or educator you can hand them back and or, you know it's going to end so it's okay because it might be the next two hours is tough but or, when it's or one as, in the morning and <laughs> or as a teacher or a child care educator you can say to the mum look would you like me to take the child's um, away would you like me to sit in the room while you go outside and do your tapping or do your diffusion or whatever you need to do I can be here to support your child while you do that so you're giving the mum that support to be able to do what they need to do and sometimes mums don't have that and that's tough yeah. so I think they've just got to walk away and know that the child is safe and that the child is going to be okay and just walk away and do what you need to do and just calm yourself down. I know it's hard, easy, easier said than done, as you've just said. Yeah, exactly. I found this personally and with, with clients when I work with them, that the, the quality of how we show up for our children is directly related to how much we look after ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we know this, like, when we're tired, we snap. <laughs> Even before having children, when we were tired, we were tired. You snap. At this point in life, especially when you have very small children, and you know, if you're a first time on me, you've never done it before, it's we are at our physical lowest having given birth, however that happened. We are, you know, as tired as we're ever going to be in mm-hmm. our entire life. And we are also holding ourselves to the highest standards mm-hmm. that we exactly. have ever held. Yeah. And, and it, we can't do it. We just can't do it. But what we can do is our best. I like mm. to think of it as like, you know, that 80-20 rule. 
if 80% of the time we're gentle and we're conscious and we're looking after ourselves and we're looking after them, and then 20% of the time we just snap and say, do you know what, just do it. That's okay. Yes, and that's perfectly that's okay. okay. And, and it actually think- it's good for them to see, I don't have to be 100% perfect all the time. Because if yes. we are, then they must be. Yes. Because yes. they won't always have the big feelings, but they won't share it with us if we never show humanity mm. to them. Yeah, absolutely. Because no, I think I, it's I, a huge part of the human condition to lose it sometimes, to be really tired sometimes. And I, I think that's a key point. I think it, kids have got to see you as who you are. See yeah, you I as mean, we call that, colours. What in do you contrast call parenting, that? we call that radical compassion. Yeah. And it, and it is radical. It's a radical act to say, you know, I did my best today and that and my best today included mm. snapping at my children and walking away. And actually some days that's your best. And other days your best is giving them a hug and doing it all kind of textbook. Mm-hmm. Oh, this feels great. I feel like an empowered parent. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, oh, I'm having a migraine and I haven't talked to my children. Am I an awful mom? And I said, okay, yeah. I am a parenting mentor. I do this for a living. My three kids spend a whole day watching tv the other day because i had a migraine and i don't feel bad about that because i had a migraine <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. the best that i could do it was to keep them safe to keep them fed and to lie in a different room with a towel on my head you know it mm-hmm. probably happens once a year they're going to be okay mm. and as i said it always go, always goes back to that respect because if you respect your children in that way and share what you're feeling you're teaching them the respect and you're teaching them to share your feelings. So when they get to teenage, they'll know. And, you know, for a moment, just to to pause, because I work mostly with cycle breaker parents, that can be, this is where the healing comes in. If you weren't shown that respect as a child, you get to learn to treat yourself with love and respect and radical compassion so that you can then pass that on to your children. And that is harder Clearly, yes. it's harder than if you grew up being shown love and respect and yes, having your feelings nurtured and, and looked after. And so for the cycle breaker parent, this is why I decided to, to specialize in that area. I grew up in a home with an alcoholic father who was sometimes very loving when he was in a good place. And sometimes he was really quite scary and, and you never knew which one you were going to get. And as a child, you don't understand alcoholism when you're seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you don't. <laughs> How would you? You just know dad is scary or I did something wrong. But a few days ago, I did that and that was right. I, and so as a parent, some things would always, I guess, set me off. I always talk about it as pushing the ball. Yeah, I, I have this, this analogy. It's called the ball in the box analogy where there's a big red button and then there's a tennis ball. And it originally it was for grief. And it's just amazing. It's good for that too, that the behavior of your children and your life is is the ball bouncing around the box and every now and then it's going to land on this big red button and then it will set you off and you will explode or Mm -hmm. grief will overtake you or you will feel anger or scared and for me it used to be shouting because when my dad was drunk he would shout he used to shout at you yes Uh, yes so then I didn't understand it took me a while and this is why I became a parenting mentor when I I left the classroom when I had children as I I couldn't work with three children or that childcare juggle and then when I was ready to go back into the world of out of the home paid work I decided I wanted to use what I had learned through my master's education child care you know my child care qualifications and also my real life mm-hmm. of my, when my then three-year-old would shout at me I would have this huge response and I didn't understand where it came from 
and through doing my own healing, I realized it was this wound, that big red button. When we say the kids push my buttons, well, mm. they aren't, they don't know the buttons are there. The buttons are inside us. So when we heal that button, which for me looked like a lot of inner child healing, it looked like making sense of my dad's story, because I now see him as a human being who had demons who succumbed to addiction. Whereas I used to see him as the big monster of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And that reframe that we would call that forming a coherent narrative is monumental in the way it looks. And once I had done that and then learned skills like tapping for me of how to release my fear and upset and worry, all of those feelings that I had as a child when my kids shouted at me because my brain was saying like yelling, scary, yelling, get away, get away. So I would shut it down as quickly. Sometimes I would shout at them or I would just walk away. And then once I had done the healing, I didn't need any skills. I didn't need any whistles or bells or things to say. It just didn't affect me so much. And I could say, oh, you're really upset. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, go into the parenting mode because that trigger, that big red button, it had evaporated because I had done the healing work. It's very nuanced and it's so much more beneath the surface than we realize particularly when we first become parents. You were talking at the beginning about a mirror. Yes. And I think that's sort of what you're saying. When you first became a parent, you were mirroring what you'd seen as a child. You saw your child and then you had a mirror and you were experiencing in your brain what you'd experienced as a child. You had to sort of get rid of that mirror in between. Yes, because that is how the brain keeps us safe. Well, the mind, it's the mind keeping us safe and saying, Mm. oh, okay, the last time somebody yelled at you like that and completely let go and unleashed their anger at you, it was terrifying. Get away, get away, get away. But actually, Mm. you know, I was 32, but (laughs) I didn't need to run away. I, I needed to meet my child's needs. So by meeting my needs for my healing, yes, it was an investment. Yes, it was a few hours. I have a, a good friend who's a, a hypnotherapist. So I, I went to see her and I, I did what I now do with my journey. I do that with my clients. Mm-hmm. And then they find, yes, the skills are very important. And yes, they are useful. The healing is the foundation. And it makes you feel just in such a better place in general. You sleep better and you look after yourself more because you realize that you're worthy of love and feeling good. And taking responsibility, saying, okay, I raised my voice at my kids. Okay, so that wasn't ideal. That's okay, I'm still a good person. When you have healed those wounds, the radical responsibility and radical compassion go hand in hand for for conscious parenting. And the responsibility doesn't mean beating yourself up. It just means saying, okay, that wasn't ideal. I'm going to treat myself with compassion, go and have a bath, go for a walk, go and see a friend. And the next time I'm going to use this skill that I read in a book or this thing that Laura taught me or this thing that I heard Helen say on a podcast that that is the radical compassion and radical responsibility and it is a much nicer way to live (laughs) I can relate to that especially as you've experienced it yourself you understand the mirror concept and I think sharing that with parents because you've gone through it it's very empowering because you've experienced it yourself it's easier for you to give that to somebody else to share that and it's through your own experience I guess in in a way people say this all the time and I don't think I really understood it before like I am doing for others what I kind of needed when I first became a parent 
that gap of where mm-hmm. I didn't know where to go forwards. And all of this stuff will help all parents all over the world, no matter you know how old they are or what background, but specifically people with the tough childhoods. Mm-hmm. It, it's so powerful. And I found my way through it and it took me a few years and now I do six week program and it, no, it doesn't heal everything, but it's six weeks and it's almost like a reset. People, you know, they they say, oh, it's a reset. I feel completely different. And it's just a Mm. few foundational core areas to to look at. It's, it's a paradigm shift. (laughs) That sounds like a big word, but it really, really is. And it starts inside us. It's good. I've enjoyed finding out more about it because I've never thought of it in a way that you've just shared. And as I said, you've experienced it. So you've got the tools in your little, in your toolbox. Sometimes it's a parenting tool, like literally how we parent our kids. And sometimes it's a stress management tool. And sometimes it's a how to love ourselves tool. So often we're like, how do I help my kid? How do I help my my kid? How do I help my kid? Uh, And actually it's about us as whole people and our family as a whole unit. It's not just the child behavior, which is why that whole thing of teaching behavior management. Of course, I understand why as a former teacher and educator, if we teach behavior management as a bubble, yeah, it's the bubble of just managing the behavior. It's, it might work to a point, but the child is more than the sum of its behavior. Of course, (laughs) It really, really bears pulling out that our best is going to look different on different days. Sometimes our best is managing to not shout at our children or managing Mm -hmm. not to flip our brains. And that is okay if that on that day is your best. And some days your best is looking like a TV mom (laughs) or a TV dad. And then because you're in a good place, because you've had a good night's sleep, because you've eaten some good food a few days before, because you're feeling particularly free of stress or whatever it is. And actually, we don't have to have this ridiculously high bar that the media and community set. We don't have to reach that bar every day. And we are not failures if we didn't reach it. And everything, everything is a learning experience. So if you feel like you haven't had a great day with your kids, take it as a learning experience. Mm. And I know that sounds easier said than done. And it is. That's why I said it's a paradigm shift, because it's a change. And actually, that is radical when we think of how society treats us. You're either the best you can be or you fail. And actually, it's not true. (laughs) I had a really good day. Oh, what can I take from that and use again? Or I had a tough day today. What can I do next time? How can I love myself? Because the more we look after ourselves as parents, as humans, the more easily it is to show up in a gentle, compassionate way with our children. So I guess it's just look after yourself, really. Yeah, because it's not self-care, it's not a buzzword. It's the foundation of your parenting relationship. And failure is not an option. I did a personal development course and simply, if you can't do something, you think of a way that you can do it. You think, okay, well, I can't do this today, but how can I do something different tomorrow? How can I achieve what I wanted to achieve tomorrow in a different way? When I think now of how on a good day, (laughs) how I spin a million plates with three children and all their big feelings and all their needs and the admin and life, I could not have done that with my one child when I had one baby. I could not have done it because I didn't Mm -hmm. know it was a new world. But what I did with my one baby when I had one was when I look back on it, amazing, because I'd never done it before. It does get easier because you learn skills and wherever you are right now, we're doing great. Yes. So, Laura, thank you for all your personal wisdom. I really, really appreciate talking to you. So if somebody wanted to find out more about your wonderful way of parenting, how can they find out about you? 
the first place I send people is to my Facebook group, which is called Cycle Breaker Parents Unite, because that's kind of where I put everything. So everything happens in that group. And I go live every Wednesday, I do the Wednesday workshop, which is a free half an hour workshop for everybody. Because I know not everybody has enough money or time or is emotionally there to go for the big coaching but you're always welcome and there's all kinds of freebies and things and also my website is (laughs) cyclebreakerparents.com and that has all of the things my biggest thing right now is the conscious parenting toolbox (laughs) it's good because we've used the word toolbox so many times and it's 21 days of 10 minute lessons or sessions delivered to your phone or to your email and it's audio and you can read it if you have a child asleep on you or you can put one earbud in while you're doing the washing up and of course I do one-to-one one-to-one coaching that's an option if you want to go deeper and sometimes if you have that tough upbringing to break the cycle having somebody hold your hand is what you need and is powerful thank you so much Laura and I, I definitely look forward to looking at your Facebook group and checking it out Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's much appreciated. Thank you for having me. Wow. Laura certainly shared some great ideas and I hope you find her tips and insights as helpful as I did. I really find Laura's passion for helping parents break the cycles, motivating and uplifting. I highly recommend checking out Laura's Facebook group and I've included links in the show notes at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash zero five five. Please help me spread the word to other mums by rating and reviewing my podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps me support more mums just like you for a smooth journey into the exciting world of parenthood. I am really passionate about first time mums chat and providing a weekly resource that helps parents who are new to the whole world of parenting and I want to hear from you. I warmly welcome questions and feedback and comments on my podcast episodes. I am always on the lookout to interview mums who are doing amazing things. Is your little one suffering from colic or constipation? I may have just the thing to help you experience less crying, less stress and have a happier, more contented little one and household. Just go to mybabymassage.net forward slash colic to get your free colic remedies cheat sheet. Start soothing your baby and get some much needed rest and build a deeper bond with your baby that grows stronger every day. That's mybabymassage.net forward slash colic. So please reach out by sending me an email at support at mybabymassage.net. And once again, thank you so much for listening.